This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to say that we know communication is tough. We hope you've been able to incorporate the tips and strategies we discuss into your daily life. If you feel like you're still struggling or would like individual guidance, I offer one-on-one online coaching sessions for all things speech, voice, and communication. This can include public speaking lessons, which are an incredible tool to mitigate social anxiety and increase overall confidence levels, speaking voice enhancement if you don't love the sound of your voice on tape, accent modification to speak clearly and be heard the first time, and social skills training, which covers a lot of the things that we talk about on the show, but of course would be tailored to your individual needs and goals. On the show, we talk a lot about the content of what you're going to say. With my private coaching clients, I also focus on the delivery, how you say the thing you say, how your tone of voice can affect the way that you're coming across and the way your message is delivered. If you're at all interested in these services, please check out my website, georgiaspeechcoaching.com, and schedule a free phone consultation to discuss your needs and goals. I would love to work with you. Now back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Today's episode was inspired by a conversation that I had with a friend recently who works as a physical trainer and on the side does some nutritional coaching and she studies about nutrition so that she can incorporate that into work with her clients. So she was telling me the other day about how she's having a struggle where some of her friends are really struggling with their diet and not knowing how to incorporate healthier foods into their diet. And she sees this happen and she sees them feeding their children not well. And then her daughter hangs out with their children and so then her daughter starts eating not well. And she wants so badly to help them and to give them her expertise and guidance, but it's such a tricky scenario unless they ask her for it. How do we help someone and share our expertise on a subject without coming across as pushy or controlling or seeming like a know-it-all? So she could, based on her observation, say, oh, have you, maybe you should try not eating these things. But if they don't ask, it's kind of tough to bring it up. So it got me thinking, and then I was talking to Molly, and we started thinking about this fine line between helping people with knowledge and information that you have because of your profession or whatever informational source. Maybe you listen to podcasts on a certain subject and you really know something inside and out, and you want to help other people by sharing that knowledge. But how do we do so, share that knowledge in a way that will be well received and not cause the other person to feel like you're telling them what to do when they may not have asked for it, even though you know or you feel like it's in their best interest to know this and you want to help, but you don't want to come across as inflicting your opinion on them when it's not warranted. So that's what we're going to talk about today and really dissect ways that we can share our knowledge and expertise to help other people in a way that is not off-putting or causes resistance by that person. Yeah, and we all have expertise in some area. Trisha and I are both speech pathologists. I just realized we found a very great way to do this by the podcast. You can choose to listen to it and then we're giving advice. But Anyways, everyone has expertise, and so 
we all have really important, knowledgeable, factual information to share, but there is such that fine line of doing it in a way that comes off as, oh, she's a know-it-all or, oh, she's so arrogant. And that's not what you want, especially if you think the information that you do have to share is important and you really want it to be received by other people. We have to figure out a way that people want to receive our information because then everyone's better off with that information. Yeah, so you really, first of all, want to make sure that if you're the person who's dying to share this information, it's coming from a place of wanting to help someone. Say, oh, I want to help you with your diet because I see you suffering and I know the good that it caused me when I changed my diet and I started eating clean. And so I want that for you versus I want to be controlling in this particular relationship, whatever the relationship may be. And so I'm going to tell you what to do for the sake of you doing what I say. So you want to make sure that you're coming at this from a place of wanting to help and do good. And the other way it could come up um, is just showing that you're smart and showing that you have information, which also doesn't come off in a good way. So mm-hmm. that we don't want it to come off controlling and we don't want it to come off you're like you're showing off. Yeah, but also you want to examine from the inside, not just how it's coming off to other people, but if you're mm-hmm. doing it because you feel insecure about your knowledge base and you say, I want everyone here to think that I'm smart, so I'm just going to tell them every single thing that I know about this subject – is that really helpful for anyone involved? Probably not. And so that's something to examine in yourself. But what we're talking about today is really when you see something that you want to share because you know it'll help someone else. How do we be helpful without being pushy or controlling? Yeah. So step one, look inside yourself, figure out, hey, is this really to help that other person? And then when you find that out, I think the second step is thinking about the other person that you're relaying the message to. Trisha and I thought about a lot of examples about how this happens in our lives because we both are speech pathologists. We both have a lot, a lot of knowledge that are valid facts because we went to school. We have clinical experience. So we have a lot of information on this field. And we do encounter a lot of people who need support in speech and language, whether it come from their kids, whether it come from themselves, whatever it is, we have a lot of information. So I think step two, after you figure out if you really do want to be the helper in that situation, is think about the person you're giving advice to. So for example, I've had multiple coworkers in the field and I've had two or three different coworkers tell me that they have a niece or a cousin who definitely has some speech and language deficits potentially autism, most likely autism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we have a lot of knowledge on that. Like we can't technically diagnose, but we work with those kids all the time. And I personally think we should be able to diagnose them. But the tricky thing that happened with all of those cases of my coworkers is they ended up not explicitly telling their family member about their child with these deficits And to be clear, the family member didn't realize that those deficits were happening or were living in denial. Mm -hmm. And so my coworkers took that opportunity to really assess the situation and realize, hey, is this person, my little sister or my big sister or my close family member, ready to hear this information? And what is their relationship to me and how will that affect it? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And it's, I've been in this scenario, I'm in this scenario where there's a family member and I 
based on my knowledge base, can tell that there are some speech and language delays there. And when trying to speak with the mother, she also is aware because she said other people tell her that before, but it's really tricky as a family member in particular to say, look, this is what I'm seeing here as a professional. This is what I think. But you can't inflict that on someone that way. Like if I were to march in and say, okay, your son needs an evaluation because X, Y, Z, that probably wouldn't be received well. So it's a really delicate balance of how do you say, have you, maybe you can ask the question, have you considered having your son evaluated? And then when I asked that question to the mother, she expressed her concerns with the finances and the timing and logistics and things like that. So it's better to, in a situation like that, especially start the conversation by asking a question in any situation, actually start by asking a question as opposed to beginning by stating facts and say, Oh, this is what I see. Like your kid has autism. Like that's not going to be well received. And then based on the way that the person answers those questions, you can determine how ready they are to hear this information. What I think is really tricky, though, especially if it's a family member, you love them so much and you want what's best for them. And you know, in your heart of hearts, that therapy would only do good things for them. And you're worried about the potential consequences of them not having therapy. So you want to give that advice and make sure that the person knows their options. But at the end of the day, it's up to the parent to decide. You can't force that to happen as long as you can say, okay, I, I... told them what I think and I provided information in an objective, non-judgmental way, and then they can take it from there. Yeah. And what was interesting in both of the other situations that I shared with my coworkers, in both of those situations, my coworkers were the little sister of the person who needed the information. Mm. And so that whole dynamic made it so interesting because in both of those situations, they were the little sister. Their information is important, as history has shown, like big sister, little sister dynamic. That dynamic of the person you're sharing the information with, I think, is also very, very important to consider. Yeah. Because how you give that information is critical. So even more important to ask those questions, even maybe more leading questions, like how do you feel about this situation? And really, really working hard to gauge if they if they are going to take that information from you and if it's going to strain your relationship. Because I think that's important too, that relationship that you hold with the person you're trying to give information to. Yeah. And in that case, and in any case, don't use your profession as a crutch or use it in a boastful way to say, well, I'm an expert. Here's what I think. In that case, you want to say, look, I'm your little sister. I really care about your child's well-being. Uh, And then say, this is something that I do for a living. Do you want my opinion on it? Do you want to know what I would say if this were a client of mine? Maybe that's a good way to phrase it is, is ask. And this is something that my friend who's the nutritionist was telling me she does is she said to her friends, look, I teach nutrition and fitness. Do you want my opinion on this? And then see what they say. And if they say, no, we're fine eating the way we do, then then you did did what you could. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But making sure that you offer it, not saying, I'm a nutritionist. I'm going to tell you how to eat. You first want to make sure that they even are going to be open to receiving what you have to say. And then making sure it's not saying, well, I know better than you because this is what I Mm -hmm. do for a living. Obviously, that's what you do for a living. They know that. You don't need to go around and say that that's what you do. 
And Trish and I are talking about a lot of situations where we're like in relationships, friendships or family member, close relationships with the person you're trying to give knowledge to. And I think that dilutes a lot of that information that you're going to give because you're seen as the friend or the sister. So I think what you said is a really good point and just help them see you as a person with a different hat on. Like ask them, can you envision me right now as just a speech therapist that you don't know? Or can you envision me as just another health professional? I like that. Yeah. Like trying to do that. And then something else that my other coworkers ended up doing is just referring them to a friend that who was a speech pathologist because it's the same information, but just in a different capsule. It seems way more objective when it's been given by someone that doesn't have that personal tie. Exactly. So trying to make it objective in any sort of way by helping their conversation partner see you as a professional or see you in a different hat with all that knowledge or give it to someone who can get that knowledge in a more objective way too. And the other thing about that too, which that reminds me of a professor that you and I had in college, Molly, who was telling us that she was a professor of speech language pathology. Her son had a developmental delay and needed to see a speech pathologist, but she refused to treat her son, which makes sense that she referred out to someone else. But that also thinking about if I'm talking to a friend or a loved one about speech and I'm giving them suggestions or talking to them about things that they could be working on, I risk them not being able to disassociate me from a professional context or a personal context, which sometimes that's absolutely possible. I have friends with clients all the time, but the the risk there is then I don't want every time I'm hanging out with this person, them to think that I am evaluating or judging their speech, which can also happen. And sometimes people will say, like, oh, I just said, um, and like all these things that we work on in speech coaching or speech therapy which I really don't care when I'm off the clock, I'm able to disconnect that, but sometimes people aren't. And so you want to be careful when you're giving your two cents on a matter with professional information make sure that they know that you're doing that as a professional and that when you're just friends or just sisters, you're not constantly thinking about those things. I am not analyzing all of my friends' speech patterns all the time. I just don't have enough brain space for that, to be honest. And so I don't want people to think that I'm doing that, and often people will say something like that. So I think it's Molly's suggestion of referring the person out is a good way to do it. Then you take it off your hands, but you still are able to provide them help. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think if you don't want to refer out, if you really want to be the person to give that professional um, information, is to make it super clear that you are acting as a professional in that situation. So using phrases like, as lame as this sounds, I'm going to put my therapist hat on, or I'm going to put my personal trader hat on. And it really helps that other person shift their mind to see you in a more objective way as opposed to subjective when they're your friend or family member. So saying phrases like that, it could also be like, let me think like a speech pathologist right now, or even even meeting at your place of work if you're allowed to do that. And I, I, your whole demeanor changes. My demeanor when I'm yeah. working with someone in a lesson is completely different from how I am with them as a friend. My voice changes. I have a speech coach voice that I use versus friend conversational style. And so shifting all that, it is absolutely possible. But you don't want to convince your friends to sign up for a lesson with you or take a whatever it is that you do unless they ask for it. That's something I wouldn't suggest imposing on someone. But 
going back to just sharing the knowledge in a conversation, you do have that option or you can, like Molly said, refer out. But yeah, going back to what you said too, it is important to notice if they want this information. Do you have any situations where you've been in and you haven't wanted the information and or anything like that? Yeah, well, I can think of situations where I've probably tried to give information when people didn't necessarily want it. I listen to a lot of nutrition podcasts, for example, and I sometimes will find myself lecturing people on processed foods and why it's bad for you. And I need to take a step back and realize that's their decision and I can share my knowledge. And I, instead of saying, oh, I heard this thing on a podcast the other day, here's why you shouldn't be eating that. I should say, I heard something really interesting about processed foods on a podcast the other day. Are you interested in hearing what they said? Because I sometimes have the problem with loved ones. I can be a little controlling in the sense that I give advice too much based on things that I've heard or read or I talk a lot about research but I'm doing that because I want to genuinely help them like oh this really helped me I always tell people to go to therapy because therapy really helped me and sometimes I've had the experience where people will have the knee-jerk reaction is oh my gosh you think I need therapy and it's no that's not coming from an accusatory standpoint I'm trying to say therapy really helped me I would love for you to have that same experience that I did. And I was thinking about this a lot the other day, actually, and my Myers-Briggs personality type, which is INFP, that's a really big trait for that, is wanting to help people, but often coming across as controlling because you're telling people what to do. So I have to be extra cautious to make sure that I do give the person the option And rather than simply saying what I know or what I heard or what I read is saying, I had this experience. Are you interested in hearing about it? Or asking the question, have you considered something like therapy or changing your diet? Things like that where it's less telling someone what to do because telling someone what to do almost never works. And it's more getting them to understand their motivation behind why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. So when you were talking about that, I was like, oh my gosh, I never do that. And then I was like, oh wait, I always do this, but with some certain people. And those people are my parents. Mm. I do this all of the time. And I think it's because I'm so comfortable with them too. So I think that comfort level of what you're at with that relationship absolutely really, really affects how this comes across. Because with my parents, I'll come home and... They live in Florida. I live in California. It's way more health forward here and it's very like trendy and things like that. So I'll come forward with all of the things that I've learned on the more food and all that health stuff wise and be like, guys, here's all the information, da, 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 da. And my dad makes fun of me all the time for being a know-it-all. So, and I think that mostly is because I really, really want to help them because my parents aren't exposed to this information very much and because I love them so much and it comes across really, really not great because (laughs) of the relationship that we have and the way that I'm giving it to them. Yeah, but the comfort level part is huge because you. if I'm walking down the street and I see someone eating McDonald's, I'm not going to stop them and say, hey, that's really bad for you because I don't care. I don't know that person. It's with the people that I really care about that I would not always say something, but it's 
if it seems like it's a detriment to their overall health and well-being, then maybe mm-hmm. say something. So, for example, let's give an example of how this could be helpful in your relationship with a person. If someone is constantly complaining about being tired, and you know that fatigue can be caused by a variety of things, like stress or by diet or by not sleeping for whatever reason, instead of saying, oh, you should be eating more of blah, 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 or oh, you should do this. Never give should directives. Instead, you can say, have you considered changing your diet? Or have you considered exercising more? Because that's really helped me fall asleep. I don't know if it'll be helpful for you, but in my experience, that's something that was good for me. So maybe you want to try that. Actually, even on that point, I think another way to give it give that information that's knowledgeable besides saying should or even besides saying have you I like to put the situation on myself and say oh when I had this happen to me or when I had this experience this helped me I actually use this a lot with my kids in um speech therapy (laughs) where like I'll tell them something like, oh man, because I used to work with a lot of kids with social deficits who got really anxious in large groups and things like that. And I do too, but sometimes I'd put myself in their shoes. Maybe don't lie, but I would lie to my kids (laughs) and say things like, when this happened to me, this is what I did. I wonder if that would work for you. And they would be way more willing to listen to my knowledge because I experienced it too. Yeah, not just telling them what to do. The tricky part about that, which is that's awesome in a conversation like that where you're talking about objective, more objective things and you're not necessarily sharing experiences, but you're relating on a potential solution to a problem. The tricky thing is if someone's talking about a problem, you don't want to flip the conversation and make it about you, as we've discussed in other episodes. Mm. But this is more, this is less like, oh, I'm having this problem with my boyfriend, I don't know what to do. And you say, oh, well, in my relationship, blah, 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 blah. You want to make sure you're yeah. listening. This is more like if someone is looking for an, a more objective solution. Like, for example, Molly is having the skin issue. And I said, oh, I recently had the same issue. And I used this stuff. And it was great. Maybe you should check it out. As opposed to saying, you have to do this thing. Or sometimes... I don't offer advice or help because I think, oh, I'm just going to listen. But then some, I feel guilty knowing that I have this knowledge. I should be sharing it. So you have to pick and choose who you're comfortable enough sharing the, that information with. But I think if you package it the right way, it, it can be very well received and actually helpful for the other person. And usually they appreciate that too. And I think a good disclaimer for this whole episode is we are talking about objective information. Factual information in this episode. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that we are talking about because the opinions episode is a different episode and that is, there's a different delivery method for that too. It's very (laughs) different if you're expressing your opinion on a matter. I think you should do blah, blah, blah versus if you have knowledge, objective knowledge about something and you say, I know this to be true or uh, Mm -hmm. based on my my professional expertise, I have a strong feeling that this person could use this service that is very different and that's what we're talking about in this episode yes to be clear the, the other going back yeah the other thing we we're talking about how to give this information and how to help other people better themselves 
a strong belief that I have is in leading by example too. So sometimes I'll, I'll give my family members, for example, nutrition advice. And then I sit there and eat like a box of cookies. And like, that's not, that's so stupid. <laughs> like, like that's, which we're all human. We all do those things. It's one thing to have the knowledge. It's another thing to actually do them. And one thing that in general, I find to be a very effective teaching method is to live that example. And then they see, oh, wow, this person has so much energy all the time. This person's always happy. Oh, wow. She meditates every day and she does yoga every day and she does this and this and this. And so it can show other people methods to get to that place if that's something they're interested in doing. So living that example can be a very effective way as opposed to telling someone or imposing information on a person. This has been so helpful for me, actually. This actually brings up a story that I have. So first of all, actions speak louder than words. It's kind of like you're giving advice without telling them to do it. And then the person thinks, oh my gosh, I thought of that myself. I'm so smart, which makes them feel good Mm -hmm. (laughs) if they're watching you do it. People always want to do something when they think it's their idea. Exactly. Make them think it's their idea. This is a podcast on manipulation. Just kidding. (laughs) So at my, um, one of my previous jobs, I was definitely the newbie. I did not have a lot of information on how to be a good therapist there. And it took me a while to finally get my groove. But what happened when I initially went there is because I was the new person, because I had the least information, everyone, all my coworkers would give me facts and information of how to do my job that I was not ready for by any means. And so that was really hard for me because I did feel like I was in a situation in an environment where it was around a lot of people who came off as know-it-alls, right? And so speaking to your point, what really ended up helping me the most was just listening to people talk about what they were going to do in therapy and listening to people's ideas. And then I could generate my own. And yeah, I did use a lot of those people's ideas, but it was coming from me and they weren't telling it to me explicitly. So it didn't come off as know-it-all, but they were still giving me the same information. And it was totally a different package, but inside the package was the same information. And I felt so much better when I wasn't being told what to do. Which is such a huge, huge thing. And that's just a very basic part of human psychology is we resist direct persuasion. I just read something that was saying direct persuasion is not effective. We resist being told what to do. I don't know. Often we do. I don't know why. But when we feel that we made a decision on our own, we're much more likely to appreciate it and to follow through. So in your case, Molly, Someone could have said, oh, do this exercise with your clients. You may or may not have done it, but either way you would have felt like, oh, that didn't really come from me versus you watch the other person do the exercise. And that also comes down to being ready. Someone I've been told for years, people told me to try therapy, but until I said, you know, it seems to really be working for these other people. I want to give it a try myself until I had that feeling of readiness within myself. I couldn't do it, and it it shouldn't have done it. This is a huge point, huge point. The person has to be ready. Mm -hmm. Big example is my mom smokes cigarettes. There is a lot of factual information there Mm -hmm. in the the news. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but breaking news. 
Yes, I know. Let's do a whole episode about it. But smoking isn't good for you. Weird. <laughs> I know. And so I've been telling my mom for ah, decades now. <laughs> it's been probably two decades. So fun. Um, that she should not smoke. She has never been ready. She has tried med. She has tried um, hypnosis. She has tried therapy. She has tried the gum. She has tried the patch. She is never ready. And when I give factual information, she's never ready. Therefore, she has never stopped smoking. Hopefully one day she is ready, but whatever the news tells her, a factual source, whatever I tell her, a factual source, whatever the label on the cigarettes tell her, a factual source, is never going to get through to her if she's not ready for it. Yeah. And all we can do as loved ones is support the people and try to encourage them to be ready. And you can give that information. Say, this this is here. So sometimes... I think it's easy to become complacent and say, well, they'll change when they're ready. I'm not going to do anything about it. Definitely show the person that you want that change, but don't force them to change. Say, I, our, my happiness with you is contingent upon you quitting smoking or something like that. You know, you want to know the person to know they're loved and supported, but you have, at the end of the day, change has to come from within. And I think that's kind of what inspired this whole episode is we want to sometimes change people for their betterment when we feel based on our own experiences that would it would help them but we can't at the end of the day control or change anyone but ourselves and so provide the support that you can in a kind and loving way but don't make people feel like you're inflicting that upon them. And obviously it's different if you're working with a paid client, but we're talking about with people that are not paying you for your expertise. Yeah, and a paid client is like saying, hey, help me, I'm paying you. Exactly. So it's different. Um, So yes, helping people get the information they need without controlling or changing them, I think is the big takeaway of this episode. And through strategies such as leading by example, through strategies of noticing if they're ready, through strategies of using leading questions and not just explicitly telling the person what to do because, as Trisha said, direct persuasion never works, unfortunately. Another small point I just want to bring up is sometimes the opposite can happen. People will find out what your field is and then start asking you a bunch of questions. So, for example, for me, when I tell people that I teach public speaking – at networking events or at a party or even at a wedding recently, people will sometimes say, oh, what are your biggest tips? And I can give a little information, but out of respect for myself and the fact that this is my professional career, I'm not going to sit down and tell this person everything that I know because that's not fair to me. And so it's also important to know your boundaries as a professional. So you can, like that, my friend could give a complete nutritional report for her friend that she wants to. I have a friend who's a physical therapist, and she does work on all of us for free because she wants to. But you need to make that boundary for yourself. And so... Value your expertise. Yeah, and it's not. it doesn't have to be free information. You can still help people and guide them in a way that is not giving away your services. Exactly. That's a good disclaimer because I feel like people can fall into that a lot. Mm-hmm. Especially when you want to help people and you, mm-hmm. it's easy to, oh, well, I'm asking all these questions. But also be careful to ask, ask, you yourself can be mindful of not overstepping your bounds when you meet someone who's a professional. Don't ask them a million questions necessarily about what they would do with a client because that's not fair to them. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
All right. What is so, your takeaway, Molly? Takeaways. These are harder because it has to be kind of in that moment when you're giving that information to other people. Mm-hmm. But, ooh, I have a good takeaway. One good takeaway is if you have the knowledge and expertise in something, try and use your life as an example to others and try and embody the things that you are preaching. Mm-hmm. Practice what you So preach. if you are, yeah, if you are a fitness coach, work, do it and maybe share that information with others just in a way that is like, hey, I worked out three times this week. The end. Yeah, by example. My takeaway would be the next time you have an urge to control someone's behavior or give your advice on a matter rather than immediately jumping into what you think the person should do or ought to do is ask a question instead. So before you even try to give your thoughts, and this happens, this can work with both objective information as well as your opinion, but ask the person first, have you considered blah, blah, blah? How do you feel about blah, blah, blah? Before you start to give your feedback. Love it. Cool. Thank you for listening. All right, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. This was a really fun episode, and I think it got me thinking a lot about how I present information, too. So it's helpful in both parties. If you have questions, thoughts, concerns, please reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or our email at lostartofcommunication at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. All right, guys. Bye.